Good morning. We have a rather lengthy passage this morning, so if you'd like to follow along, we're reading from Genesis 26, uh, verse 34 through 28.9. When Esau was 40 years old, he took Judith, the daughter of Beri the Hittite, to be his wife, and Basimath, the daughter of Elon the Hittite, and they made life bitter for Isaac and Rebekah. When Isaac was old and his eyes were dim so that he could not see, he called Esau, his older son, and said to him, My son. And he answered, Here I am. And he said, Behold, I am old. I do not know the day of my death. Now then, take your weapons, your quiver and your bow, and go out to the field and hunt game for me. And prepare for me delicious food such as I love, and bring it to me so that I may eat, that my soul may bless you before I die. Now Rebekah was listening when Isaac spoke to his son Esau. So when Esau went to the field to hunt for game and bring it, Rebekah said to her son Jacob, I heard your father speak to your brother Esau. Bring me game and prepare for me delicious food that I may eat it and bless you before the Lord before I die. Now, therefore, my son, obey my voice as I command you. Go to the flock and bring me two good young goats so that I may prepare from them delicious food for your father, such as he loves. And you shall bring it to your father to eat so that he may bless you before he dies. But Jacob said to Rebekah, his mother, Behold, my brother Esau is a hairy man, and I am a smooth man. Perhaps my father will feel me, and I shall seem to be mocking him, and bring a curse upon myself and not a blessing. His mother said to him, Let your curse be on me, my son. Only obey my voice and go bring them to me. So he went and took them and brought them to his mother, and his mother prepared delicious food such as his father loved. Then Rebekah took the best garments of Esau, her older son, which were with her in the house, and put them on Jacob, her younger son. And the skins of the young goats she put on his hands and on the smooth part of his neck. And she put the delicious food and the bread which she had prepared into the hand of her son Jacob. So he went in to his father and said, My father. And he said, Here I am. Who are you, my son? Jacob said to his father, I am Esau, your firstborn. I have done as you told me. Now sit up and eat of my game, that your soul may bless me. But Isaac said to his son, How is it that you have found it so quickly, my son? He answered, Because the Lord your God granted me success. Then Isaac said to Jacob, Please come near that I may feel you, my son, to know whether you are really my son Esau or not. So Jacob went near to Isaac his father, who felt him, and said, The voice is Jacob's voice. But the hands are the hands of Esau. And he did not recognize him because his hands were hairy like his brother Esau's hands. So he blessed him. He said, 
Are you really my son, Esau? He answered, I am. Then he said, Bring it near to me, that I may eat of my son's game and bless you. So he brought it near to him, and he ate, and he brought him wine, and he drank. Then his father Isaac said to him, Come near and kiss me, my son. So he came near and kissed him. And Isaac smelled the smell of his garments and blessed him and said, See the smell of my son is as the smell of a field that the Lord has blessed. May God give you of the dew of heaven and of the fatness of the earth and plenty of grain and wine. Let peoples serve you and nations bow down to you. Be Lord over your brothers and may your mother's sons bow down to you. Cursed be everyone who curses you and blessed be everyone who blesses you. As soon as Isaac had finished blessing Jacob, when Jacob had scarcely gone out from the presence of Isaac, his father, Esau, his brother, came in from his hunting. He also prepared delicious food and brought it to his father. And he said to his father, let my father arise and eat of his son's game that you may bless me. His father Isaac said to him, Who are you? He answered, I am your son, your firstborn, Esau. Then Isaac trembled very violently and said, Who was it then that hunted game and brought it to me? And I ate it all before you came, and I have blessed him. Yes, and he shall be blessed. As soon as Esau heard the words of his father, he cried out with an exceedingly great and bitter cry and said to his father, Bless me, even me also, O my father. But he said, Your brother came deceitfully, and he has taken away your blessing. Esau said, Is he not rightly named Jacob? For he has cheated me these two times. He took away my birthright, and behold, now he has taken away my blessing. Then he said, Have you not reserved a blessing for me? Isaac answered and said to Esau, Behold, I have made him lord over you, and all his brothers I have given to him for servants. And with grain and wine I have sustained him. What then can I do for you, my son? Esau said to his father, Have you but one blessing, my father? Bless me, even me also, O oh my father. And Esau lifted up his voice and wept. Then Isaac, his father, answered and said to him, Behold, Away from the fatness of the earth shall your dwelling be, and away from the dew of heaven on high. By your sword you shall live, and you shall serve your brother. But when you grow restless, you shall break his yoke from your neck. Now Esau hated Jacob because of the blessing with which his father had blessed him. And Esau said to himself, the days of mourning for my father are approaching. Then I will kill my brother Jacob. 
But the words of Esau, her older son, were told to Rebekah. So she sent and called Jacob, her younger son, and said to him, Behold, your brother Esau comforts himself about you by planning to kill you. Now, therefore, my son, obey my voice. Arise, flee to Laban, my brother in Haran, and stay with him a while until your brother's fury turns away, until your brother's anger turns away from you, and he forgets what you have done to him. Then I will send and bring you from there. Why should I be bereft of both of you in one day? Then Rebekah said to Isaac, I loathe my life because of the Hittite women. If Jacob marries one of the Hittite women like these, one of the women of the land, what good will my life be to me? Then Isaac called Jacob and blessed him and directed him. You must not take a wife from the Canaanite women. Arise, go to Paddan Aram, to the house of Bethuel, your mother's father, and take as your wife from there one of the daughters of Laban, your mother's brother. God Almighty bless you and make you fruitful and multiply you, that you may become a company of peoples. May he give the blessing of Abraham to you and to your offspring with you, that you may take possession of the land of your sojournings that God gave to Abraham. Thus Isaac sent Jacob away, and he went to Paddan Aram, to Laban, the son of Bethuel the Aramean, the brother of Rebekah, Jacob and Esau's mother. Now Esau saw that Isaac had blessed Jacob and sent him away to Paddan Aram to take a wife from there. And that as he blessed him, he directed him, You must not take a wife from the Canaanite women. And that Jacob had obeyed his father and his mother and gone to Paddan Aram. So when Esau saw that the Canaanite women did not please Isaac, his father, Esau went to Ishmael and took as his wife, besides the wives he had, Mahalath, the daughter of Ishmael, Abraham's son, the sister of Nebaioth. This is the word of the Lord. Joanna, thank you very much. What hairy hands you have, my son. All the more to serve you, my father. I would imagine if, if, if God had commissioned the, the brothers Grimm to write Genesis, the story would have sounded somewhat like that. So we are, we are following the family, one family through the book of Genesis, one family through which... God proclaimed and preserved his plan of salvation for all of humanity through Abraham and his descendants. Here we are in the second and the third generation, and I'm really eager today to talk to you about Esau. Now, I know, I know as you look at the situation and the family's dysfunction, everybody's culpable, right? Everyone in the family's faults are revealed very clearly here in this chapter. You, you, saw, you saw the dysfunction beginning to build last week when we saw how Jacob and Esau were born and how they began, you know, how they grew up. Uh, now, as adults, uh, we see the dysfunction full bore. Isaac, Rebecca, Jacob, Esau, all of them are culpable. But I just want to focus on Esau today uh, for two reasons. I think that Esau, I think that Esau's faults capture the heart of our society. 
I think Esau is a picture of where our culture is at now. I also see myself in Esau. When I look at Esau's faults, I'm reminded of myself. As a boy and a man, I have, pers- I have gone from one pursuit to the next, feeling dissatisfied. Have you ever felt that way? Going from one thing to the next, one pursuit to the next, seeking, seeking, thirsting after something, thirsting after another thing, and not feeling satisfied. Esau, we'll get to Jacob later, but Esau is a picture of discontentment. And I think that according to the Bible, contentment rests upon knowing what to pursue. What should you be pursuing in your life? And what I want to talk to you today about is what Esau actually pursued and what you and I pursue. And then I want to talk about what God is pursuing. What Esau pursued in his life, what you and I pursue in ours, and what the God of the Bible pursues. What was Esau pursuing after all? What was he chasing after in his life? You know, I'm not really sure. Because you see him chasing after many different things. Uh, You see him running after this unhindered freedom uh, that he's characterized for. Uh, We see in his life how he rejected the family's pastoral occupation. Uh, They were wealthy shepherds. And you see him rejecting that for a life in the open country as as a hunter. We see him also chasing after immediate satisfaction in many things. Think of how he rejected his birthright. He rejected his entire inheritance as the oldest son for a bowl of stew because he was exhausted and hungry. We also see that Esau rejected God's will for how marriage was to take place in that family through Abraham's descendants. Uh, Esau doesn't go back to the old country uh, to find a wife like his father Isaac did. Esau takes two women from the local Canaanite culture and marries them instead. Esau was hungry for approval, right? Um, When he finds out that his wives are displeasing, right? His wives are exasperating. His two wives, local women, are exasperating his parents. When he discovers that his parents were displeased with his choices of marriage, he goes and marries a third woman. But this is what he does. He goes to Ishmael's family and finds one of his daughters and marries her. So his third wife is a daughter of Ishmael. Now, some of you may remember, Ishmael is Isaac's older half-brother. There is no, there is no shared respect. There are no warm fuzzies between Ishmael and Isaac, which, which shows a really poor lack of judgment on Esau's part, still looking for approval from his parents. We also see him chasing after revenge, right? Because he vows to kill his brother Jacob. Actually, I'm not sure that Esau knew what he wanted. Ever go through that in life? You you, you just don't know what you want. You're reaching, you're searching, you're chasing after pursuits, and you really don't know what you want, but you know you want something. The narrator masterfully shows that in all these ways, Esau is unfit to inherit the blessing. Esau's unfit to inherit the Abrahamic promise. Remember, God said to Abraham, through you and your family and through a great descendant of yours, I'm going to bless all peoples on earth. Isaac inherited it from Abraham. And now 
through not what he chooses, but what he discards, what he rejects, we see that Esau is unfit to inherit this Abrahamic blessing. And it's not because he was a lesser man than his younger brother Jacob, because Jacob has glaring faults, doesn't he? Esau was unfit because in every aspect of his life, he rejected God's purposes. In every venue, in every venue, as you discover his life, he rejected the plans of God for that particular family. But he still wanted the blessing, right? He rejected God. He rejected the way, God's ways for the family, but he still wanted to be blessed. Because we, as we find in chapter 27, in verse 38, he comes in, he finds out that his brother Jacob has cheated him again. And, and he says to his father, have you, have you but one blessing, my father? Bless me, even, even me also, oh my father. And Genesis tells us that he lifted up his voice and he wept. As we read, we, we should pity this man. In sorrow, we should pity this man's life for what he sought, for what he pursued, a failure again and again, and his deep anguish after being cheated by his brother. He's to be pitied, but you know what? He's not to be copied. And that's what we're supposed to see as we read this. He's not to be copied. Esau, Esau is a picture of the human condition without God. Esau is a picture of our natural state Pursuing happiness without pursuing goodness. I think that is exactly where our culture is at right now. Pursuing happiness, but not pursuing goodness. Esau is what it looks like when you want God's blessings, but you don't want God. So I think it's worth talking about. What a person pursues will reveal the desires of their heart. We pursue what we believe we need. The things we chase after are what we believe we actually need. The Christian counselor, Ed Welch, many years ago wrote a book. It's called When People Are Big and God Is Small. I think we have a copy on the book table. We do. Okay, great. Uh, I think everyone should read it. When People Are Big and God Is Small. And Ed Welch examines in that book our popular conceptions of what our needs actually are. And, he, and he, he describes different different categories of needs, different types of needs. He mentions three. He talks about biological needs, spiritual needs, and psychological needs. And he says that our biological needs, well, that's, those pertain to our physical life. And these ones are easy. Uh, we need food and water. We need clothing We need shelter. Very simple, right? And it actually seems that Esau is motivated by these types of needs. He's motivated by his body and by his appetite. And and you see Esau pursuing what is is simply important for his body uh, and and his raw desires. Uh, But the other category, the spiritual need category, this has to do with our spiritual life. The Bible tells us, We're not just physical, we're not just material beings, but we're spiritual as well. And that we have spiritual needs like righteousness. We need righteousness, we need to be righteousness, and we're not righteous. Therefore, we need forgiveness. In order to be righteous, we need to be forgiven by God, and we need to be reconciled to him. We need salvation, in short. 
these are the spiritual needs that Scripture tells us we need, and these are the needs, the entire category of need, that Esau rejects. Completely rejects his spiritual need. The third need, psychological needs, Ed Welch says, basically, this is what you would consider your felt needs. What you perceive. Not necessarily what you actually need, but what you perceive that you need. Things like love. Well, what's wrong with love? Well, nothing's wrong with love. We all need love. Uh, What he means by felt needs are the feeling like you need to be loved. Let me give you some other examples of felt needs. The feeling like you need to be affirmed and you need approval from people. The feeling that you need good self-esteem. These, Ed Welch says, are our psychological needs or felt needs. Now, here's what's interesting. Ed Welch goes on to say Jesus comes along and he puts all of these needs into perspective. Some of you have heard this. It's the Sermon on the Mount where Jesus says to everybody, hey, don't be anxious saying, what shall we eat? What shall we drink? Or what shall we wear? For the Gentiles seek after these things and your heavenly father knows that you need them all. But seek first the kingdom of God and his righteousness, and all these things will be added to you. You see this? So so Jesus says, okay, the biological needs, God knows you need them. He's a good God. He's a good father. He's got that covered. Don't worry about those things. You need to be concerned with your spiritual need. That's what the God of the Bible wants you to focus on. God's got your biological needs covered. Focus on your spiritual need. The very thing that Esau seemed to be completely unaware of and unwilling to consider, that's the thing you need to be most concerned about. And Ed Welch goes on to say, you see Jesus' perspective here? That, if you go back and look at it, God's got your biological needs covered. You need to pursue, rather, your spiritual needs and how God has promised to provide for them And Jesus says nothing about psychological needs. And frankly, nothing in the Bible says anything about our felt needs. The concepts in the Bible overlook it completely. So that Jesus, and check this out, Jesus never emphasized a need to pursue your felt needs. He did just the opposite. He never said, I am here to help you feel good about yourself. Jesus said, I'm here to help you deny yourself. If you have any hope of satisfaction and peace and contentment in life, if you have any hope of knowing my Father in heaven, you need to stop worrying about whether you feel good or not about yourself and begin to deny yourself. And I'll get back to that in a minute. So if your teachers or your educators, because some of you are still students, we're all still learning, but some of you are in the midst of your education process, right? If you're teachers and educators, or if you're counselors, or therapists, or if any pastor is primarily trying to help you pursue your felt needs, what you feel and think you need, then like Esau, you are always going to be pursuing things in life, but will always be dissatisfied. Do you want to be content? Do you want to know peace in your life? Do you want to be satisfied? 
Not in the way that Esau was satisfied when he finally ate the stew and then lost his inheritance. But at peace with who you are, finally feeling comfortable in your own skin, then you need to know what to pursue. You need to learn what to pursue. We will never be content. You and I will never be content until our pursuits align with God's will. For instance, you know, we, it's easy to connect some of these Genesis accounts with parenting. I know a lot of us are parenting right now, or at least, or some of us are caregivers or, or educators, teachers of children. If you condition, here's an example. If you condition your kids to pursue their biological needs and their felt needs. And that's simply what's going on. That's what they're learning from you. Maybe if you never say it, that's, if, if that's what kids are catching from us. We are here to pursue our biological needs and our felt needs. We are here to pursue our material needs and good feelings, feeling good about ourselves. If that's what we're conditioning them for, I have bad news for you. Your children are sinners and your children live in a fallen world. And they're not going to be able to handle it when they get laid off. They're not going to be able to handle it when they face rejection. As we all face rejection. Because they will have been looking for simply their biological and materialistic needs. And simply their felt needs. Needing approval from other people. All along rejecting what's most important. On the other hand. Actually, let me say something really quick about Isaac. Do you see how Isaac was enamored with his older son, Esau? You see how Isaac was not only as an old man, uh, biologically blind, but spiritually blind to the man that his son was becoming? And how Isaac was not only enamored with his son Esau, but Isaac became enamored with his son's pursuits. Because all Isaac can think about is that game. Go go hunt some animals and make that delicious food because I want to taste it. All of Isaac's senses fail him. And he cannot discern what his older son was becoming. And he couldn't even discern what was happening right before him. But if we condition our kids to pursue spiritual needs, if we consider, if, if we condition our kids and help our kids see, and I, and I think this is what Christians call discipleship, if we can help them to see their greatest needs are spiritual According to God's design, not the spiritual needs according to, you know, our popular psychology and, and just what we want, what we think works for us individually. But what are our spiritual needs by the design of God? I have good news for you. When they get laid off, and they will. When they get rejected, and they will. When they face dis- disappointment and sometimes crushing losses and disenfranchisement, disenfranchisement and disillusionment, they won't unravel. They'll struggle, and they'll deal with grief and hardship and failure and sometimes bitter, but they won't unravel, and not for good, because they, they, will, they will know in those moments that they've only lost what's temporary, as Jonathan said to the kids earlier today. So the Apostle Paul was able to say to his spiritual son, Timothy, godliness with contentment, is great gain. We brought nothing into the world, and we cannot take anything out of the world. But if we have food and clothing, with these, we'll be content. But those who desire to be rich fall into temptation. Now, hold on. 
Let's interpret in this context here that desiring to be rich is not simply about wanting money and a broader portfolio. But that desiring to be rich from the biblical perspective is similar to Esau craving after and searching after all the things that the world provides but that cannot satisfy you. Okay? And Paul went on to say, those who desire to be rich fall into temptation, into a snare, into many senseless and harmful desires that plunge people into ruin and destruction. If our pursuit of happiness is simply what the culture tells us, we will never be satisfied. Not the kind of satisfaction that Jesus is talking about when he says, come to me, you are weary and heavy laden, and I will give you rest. Take my yoke upon you. Put the kind of burden I create on your back because it's light, it's easy. I am gentle and humble in heart, and you will find rest for your souls. In our pursuit of happiness, we've rejected our creator. And we starve ourselves like Esau did. We starve ourselves and we cut ourselves off from the only source of true satisfaction and true contentment. C.S. Lewis once said something like this, that we're going to starve to death if we're unwilling to eat the only type of food that the universe offers us. And that food, the only true food... Is spirit. It's of a spiritual nature, and Jesus talked about it. It's a food that leads to true satisfaction. And, and here, is, here is what Esau missed and never discovered and never figured out, but what his brother, Jacob, through much pain and suffering and a lot of failure and mistakes, would eventually, decades later, discover. And we're going to get to that in the coming weeks. And here it is. This is what leads to true satisfaction knowing that God pursues you. That's the foundation of true satisfaction, the knowledge that the God of the universe is pursuing you and will always in love pursue you. David, the songwriter, before he became king, I think his most famous psalm, Psalm 23, he opens and closes it with this very idea. And he begins the psalm by saying, the Lord is my shepherd. I shall not want. There it is. God is taking care of me, and I don't feel like I need anything. I don't need approval from you. I don't need things that everybody else is chasing after. I feel like I have all that I need. And why was David able to open up his song that way? Well, we find out in how he closed the song. Because at the end of Psalm 23, he says this, Surely goodness and mercy shall follow me all the days of my life, and I will dwell in the house of the Lord forever. But the Hebrew word for follow there, it doesn't mean follow like you and I think. It means to pursue. It means to hunt something down. And so what David understood and why David was content and didn't think he wanted from anything is because he knew that God in his love and mercy would pursue him forever. The endless loving pursuit of God is why David was able to say, I don't lack anything. I'm content. I have what I need. His contentment was based upon God's pursuit of him. And this is exactly what Jesus Christ meant when he said, 
Don't worry about what the rest of the world worry about. God's got that covered. Rather, seek first the kingdom of God and his righteousness. What's the message of the kingdom of God? That Jesus, the son of God, rejected everything to pursue you. That Jesus, you, know, you and I, we give, we give up God to pursue everything else. And Jesus gave up everything to pursue you. So Paul, again, the Apostle Paul could say, knowing the truth of that. And as Ed said, Paul was in prison a lot. And he would say, I consider everything a loss compared to the surpassing greatness of knowing Christ Jesus, my Lord, for whose sake I have lost all things. Now, there are countless applications for our lives and every relationship and every concern that we are thinking about in our, in our minds right now, I know. But I'm telling you, the basis for all of it, the foundation for every application you could think of is this. This is the source of contentment knowing that God in his love and kindness relentlessly has pursued you. And the proof is Jesus denying everything and taking your sins to the cross and dying a criminal's death so that you wouldn't have to. And as he showed us through the prophet Isaiah who married an unfaithful woman, and kept taking her back and forgiving her, that is the love of God to say, you've rejected me and you're running away from me like Esau ran, like Esau rejected all that was truly good for him. And God, the Bible says, I nonetheless will pursue you. I will pursue you and take you to be with me because I love you. And if you want to be content, it has to begin there. In every situation, contentment has to begin with the knowledge for the first time or with a reminder, if you already know this, but need to hear it again, that contentment rests upon knowing what to pursue. So Jesus says, seek first my kingdom and my righteousness. That's everything you need to know and all you need to know. God's got everything else covered. If you have, re if you have been rejecting God to pursue everything else, I want to encourage you that Jesus has rejected himself and denied himself to pursue you. And let your rebuilding begin with that fact. And in your community groups, and as we talk and go through life together, let's begin to apply this foundational truth to whatever situations we're dealing with. That's where contentment begins. Let's pray. Our Father, despite our sadness um, over Esau and his tragic life and despite how much he might resemble us, we thank you for the Lord Jesus, whom we in our natural condition looked nothing like, thought nothing like. Uh, and we praise you for him. We praise you that he rejected his throne uh, and all of his rights and all of his riches. And became one of us. Thank you Lord for his self-denial. That brought us freedom. So that we can now pursue what is good for us. And what is nourishing for us. And what fulfills us. 
And Father, in his name, help us now to reject all the stuff and all the emotions and thoughts that, that take us further and further away from you to pursue your kingdom, to pursue this life-changing thought, this culture-reorienting thought that we are deny our, to deny ourselves to truly find ourselves. Father, teach us, uh, now that we are in Christ, uh, teach us to walk with Jesus and to become like him. Thank you, Father, for this, this, the witness of this broken family and how you still worked your grace and forgiveness and patience through that broken family in Genesis. Lord, we are broken people. We have hope that even through our mistakes and even our, our outright sin, you are accomplishing your beautiful purposes. Help us to get in step with what the Lord Jesus is doing in the world and in our lives. In his name we praise you. Amen.